So I have a prediction for this answer, and the reason I have a prediction is not just because I'm guessing, um, but because you guys have laid out a pattern over the last several years. <clears throat> How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Ha! <laughs> yes. One, two, three, four, five and a half. Um, five and a half is actually about three more than I was expecting. Um, <laughs> because that just, you know, here at Tapestry, we're not about bettering ourselves. <clears throat> Wait, what? Man, she was right. You guys are a little tough this morning. You get too much, too much holiday food. Is this what's going on? You know, you know, Christmas calories don't count. So you don't have... <laughs> All right. Okay. Maybe not. Yeah. So anyway, for those of you who have made resolutions, all five and a half of you, um, I think that this will be helpful today. Um, for those of you who haven't, um, hopefully by the time we get to the end of this series, um, I will have motivate you to, to maybe actually do that. Um, now to get us rolling, I want to start with a question. And for some of you, this might be a very easy question to answer. Um, for others of you, this question might be really, really tough. You ready for the question? Here's the question. How was last year? Yeah, for some of you, see what I mean, right? Easy question, tough answer. For some of you, um, Perhaps the idea of this year being better than last year is tough for you to wrap your minds around because last year was such a great year that how could this year be better? I'm guessing most of us are not in that category. Uh, I'm guessing for some of us, um, <laughs> we're like, well, yeah, 2020 has got to be better by default, right? Because 2019 did not set the bar very high for some of us. Some of us had a lot of things that, that happened to us um, that were like, yeah, 2020 has got to be better. In fact, all it's got to do to be better is not be bad. Anybody kind of in that category? Yeah, that's really all it needs, right? And, and for, you know, and actually if we think about it and we're like, okay, well, maybe the bad things stand out because how many of you know that we tend to remember bad things a lot more than we remember good things? Anybody fall into that category? Yes, yeah. I fall into that category sometimes. Um, sometimes when Kate and I are having spirited discussions, I fall into the category because we're talking about, you know, let's be honest, it's usually something bad I've done. Um, and I want to defend myself and throw out all of the good that I've done. And I can't ever remember any of it. So, but for many of us, it's probably a mixture between the two. Like last year probably had some tough moments for a lot of us, but there were also probably some good moments for to take the time and actually remember those things. But whatever happened to you or around you or because of you in 2019, um, better is possible. Which for some of you, you just need to hear that today. And like, if you can just grab onto that, better is possible. Um, that, that, that'll be good for you today. But he, here's something that I believe about this. I believe this. I believe God wants your year to be better. He does. And now this is a hole that I could kind of dive down and spend a lot of time in. And I'm not so sure it would be super helpful. But let me just qualify that statement or that belief that I have just a little bit. There, there's a couple things that Jesus said while he was uh, teaching us on earth that, that make me believe this. 
The first is, is that I, as a parent, when I'm looking at my sons, I want my sons to have a better year. Like they had some rough patches last year, but they had some really great year, but I want my sons to have a better year. And Jesus, one of the times when he's talking, he's, he's given an example of how God operates with people. And, and, and he says, you know, how many of you who are parents, if your child asked for a stone or asked for bread, would give them stone? Like none of you. And you're flawed parents. He says, how, how much more would God, who, who's the ideal of a parent, how much better are the gifts that he gives? Another time he says, he says, I've come, talking about the reason that he's here, he says, I've come to give life so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And when he's talking about that, he, he's talking about life here and now, not some hoped for after I die, I hope I measured up and was good enough that, you know, that kind of abundant life. No, he's like, no, 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 life now. Here, the way that I'm teaching you, the principles that I'm giving you, the reason that I'm doing this is because I want your life to be better. Now, never does he say, I want your life to be easy. Never does he say, I always want everything to go perfect for you. But Jesus teaches us a way to live. It's why so many times we say around here, and you'll find it on the website, and basically as our statement of belief, that we believe if you live life the way Jesus taught you to live life, your life will be better. And so those things cause me to believe that God wants our year to be, be, to be better. Now, what you got to understand within that is that the metrics used to measure better are not necessarily what we would like to use to measure better, right? The, 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 the life being better is not measured by the number of zeros before the decimal in your bank account, <laughs> right? Although I would sign up for that better. You know, God, you know, if you want to be an example of how you provide, Lord, fill my bank account, I will shout your name <laughs> to the mountains, right? I mean, anybody sign up for that? Yeah, I, I, I would. I, I'd sign up for that. How many times I drive by that stupid billboard at, at, at White Bluff and Montgomery Cross that's got the flying pig on it that's got the lotto numbers? And I look up there and I see like, you know, 240 million. I'm like, oh Lord, the good I could do in your name. (laughs) If you would just bless me with all those zeros in my bank account. Not the zero I currently have. Um, You know, the, the life being better is not measured by the speed or the luxury of your vehicle. It's not measured by the size of your house. But it's measured by a life that is fulfilled a life that is full. So to get us going in this part of the discussion, and we're gonna range over some things over the next few weeks, but to get us going, I wanna just point out a couple of possible areas of life because we have a lot of areas of life and a lot of us are real good at compartmentalizing things and whatnot. But I wanna look at just some of the major areas of life real quick. And I wanna put out a challenge for you to kind of, because you know most of you by your own admittance haven't thought about this to make anything better on yourself this year. So I challenge you to pick one of these areas. And now, for those of you who are like goal setters and like, let me achieve, 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 achieve. That's what makes you tick, like achieving. Okay, you're gonna wanna choose all of them and maybe you have, um, but the challenge is to pick one and to focus on one. Here's, here's some of the areas of our life. We have a financial 
area. Perhaps some of you, as you look back on 2019, 2019, you're, uh, you're spending far outpaced your earning, right? And you can get away with that for a little bit, but you know that's not sustainable. Uh, perhaps another area is the, the relational aspect of your life. Maybe there's some relationships that you need to invest in and work harder at. Perhaps there's some relationships that you need to distance yourself from. Maybe, maybe one of the areas of your life is the physical aspect. Yeah, any, anybody, anybody look in the mirror or step on a scale and be like, ooh, I need to work on the physical. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe some changes need to be made. More broccoli eaten. <laughs> I'll never eat the broccoli. Um, vocational, your work and career aspect of your life. Perhaps there are some areas where you need to really apply yourself. Perhaps maybe there's some areas where you really need to stop applying yourself, where you need to cut back and bring some balance. And of course, I couldn't point out some areas of life that need improvement without talking about maybe the spiritual aspect of your life. That maybe, 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 fingers crossed, that this year, maybe your spiritual journey goes beyond just singing a few songs and hearing a preacher speak once a week. Or, you know, for some of us, once a month, maybe. maybe. Maybe it becomes more than that this year. Now, as you look at this list, which is by no means all-inclusive, there's a lot of other aspects of life or whatever, um, are, are there any of these areas, and maybe one that's not on the list that you're thinking of, any of these areas where you've lost momentum, or maybe you've never had momentum to start with, that things just aren't, aren't what they should be or what you want them to be. Uh, and if so, how do you change that? And luckily, and not coincidentally, there's a principle that applies here. And that's what we're gonna start out this series by looking at. And here's the principle that we're gonna start with, is this, is that small things consistently over time leads to big things. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. And we look at that on the surface and we're like, oh yeah, well, that makes total sense. In fact, that is so logical that I'm not sure why we even have to talk about it because everybody knows that small things over time can lead to big things. But here's the problem, is that when it comes to resolutions and when it comes to looking at our life and being like, oh, I need to make changes because here's where I am and here's where I should be, for most people, the resolution is the big thing. Right, so if it takes small things to lead to the big thing, most of us, when we start resolution, we're like, oh, I'm here and I need to be the big thing, so I resolve to do the big thing. Some of you can already see where we're gonna get in trouble, <laughs> right? Because for most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, the big thing is not realistic for us this year. We'd like to think that it is, but we're overconfident in ourselves especially when other people around us are all committing to big things, right? But the big things for many of us in, in a year maybe aren't reachable, aren't attainable. The idealized version of what we want in any of those circumstances isn't something that we can jump from where we are to that, that you can't do it. And, and when, we get to, when we get to the second week of January, 
and we realize just how far off we are and all of our many, many efforts in that two weeks have failed to get us to the big thing, we quit, right? We lose momentum, we quit. It, it, listen, it's why for the month of January in every gym in town, you stand in line for 20 minutes to use a machine. And then once people put in a whole two weeks worth of work and they lift up that shirt and it's still just flabby, and they're like, oh, well, forget this. I don't think I can do, I can't get there. And they quit. And come February, all the machines are yours again. Now, I say that like I'm the one that's in the gym all year round. I think you all know exactly where I stand on working out. So I don't even see the busy gym. But you get my point, right? Because, you know, we, we want the big thing. We want the best thing. But when we try and jump straight to that, it leads to discouragement and failure and quitting. And that's what happens because there's a psychological truth about us as humans is that when we are not successful at something, our instinct is to stop doing that thing. Because we all want to feel successful. We all want to feel like we're doing well. Like there's a drive within us. I wanna know I am doing well. And when we are doing something that is almost slapping us in the face with how bad we are at it, we shy away from it. We lose motivation to do it. It's why so many resolutions fail because they're doomed from the start because the goal is best, not better. (laughs) Now, I don't know if any of you ever thought you would come to a sermon and hear the pastor say, lower your standards, stop trying to be so good. (laughs) But we're real, right? I wanna be realistic about it because most of us can't be best, at least not right away. But all of us can be better. No matter where we are, all of us can be better. We can improve. Now, here's one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest uh, violations of going for best, not better. That is, you know, going for the big thing instead of the small things. Like, you've tried it, you've tried it, you've tried it. How many of you have started a year working out? Anybody? No? My goodness. Wow, okay. I have. I've started the year working out. And I have images in my head of, like, Brad Pitt Fight Club era. (laughs) Anybody with me? I'm like, I'm kind of slim. Wouldn't take too much to cut down a little bit, get those abs out there, right? For a while, and I, 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 there, I've tried, I tried this several years. You wonder why I feel the way I do about working out. I've been defeated many times. But I've tried. I even one time got so, I, I even one time got so into like, okay, I'm doing this, that I like, I like took, this is the old days when like movies, I still, you still had to have the movie. Like you couldn't just stream the movie, right? I like took the movie like to the barber. I'm like, I want that haircut, like the Brad Pitt Fight Club haircut so that I could be like, I'm it, right? And in my mind, I'm like, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Surprise, after two weeks, I did not look like Brad Pitt. You know, it happens, right? But, but we, go, we go and we try, we try and be, I can't be Brad Pitt. 
maybe with the right diet and the right motivation and the right trainer and the time and the time and the time. Maybe, maybe I could have eventually, you know, back then gotten to that. Maybe. But who knows? Uh, uh, but we are so designed for instant that this process mentality, it's like, oh, we got to do small things, small things, small things. I can't jump straight there. It's foreign to us. Like it's not in our culture. Uh, I, I remember when I was a kid, anytime I wanted to get anything that came through the mail, I had to wait four to six weeks for delivery. Anybody with me? Like, especially like when you were getting stuff like out of, you know, cereal boxes, if you collected enough, you know, cereal box lid and you're getting some, I don't, you know, decoder rings, all kinds of stuff. It's like, okay, you got to get this many, then mail this into this address, then allow four to six weeks for delivery, you know? And so for four to six weeks, I'm like at the mailbox, nothing, 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 nothing. That's not the culture we live in anymore. If you're in the right spot in the U.S., you can have your Amazon order delivered to you within an hour, right? That's like a big difference from four to six weeks. And while there is so much convenience and that is so great, I'm afraid that this push towards everything being so instant in our culture has completely eliminated our idea of process and time. Because while there are things that you can get immediately, there are some things that are impossible to get immediately. And guess what? The things that are impossible to get immediately are the things worth getting. Anything that you can get immediately isn't worth that much. Some of you are going through thinking all the things you can get immediately, aren't you? <laughs> Like oh yeah well I, I I could go to I could go to a store right, right down there I could I could get a I could get a twenty five hundred dollar diamond ring guess what not worth twenty five hundred dollars <laughs> you try and sell that thing back see how much that is nothing that you can get immediately is worth that much but our culture has so ingrained immediate that we think we can jump from where we are to best immediately we forget about process. We forget about adding the small things. Now, here's another area that's trouble with all of this idea is that anytime, anytime that we are looking at something that needs improved, that needs work, those areas need work for a reason. And the reason is, is because those areas are a weakness for you. See, we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And what we do is we tend to migrate towards our strengths and to do the things that are our strengths. And our weaknesses, we tend to put in the back, let's hide those. Let's not necessarily admit that those things exist, but they're weaknesses. And the problem is that we don't like to admit admit those weaknesses and we hide them. And in doing so, when we hide those weaknesses, they become even weaker for us. And the problems that those things cause become bigger and bigger and bigger. And because we spend so much time projecting our strengths to people and not wanting to admit these things, 
They operate, our weaknesses do, they operate in the background and eventually cause more and more and more trouble and turmoil within our circumstances until we are forced to face our weakness. But the good news is this, and sometimes I've been accused of not bringing good news to everybody. Here's good news. You ready for good news? God wants to help you with that. God wants to help you with that. Or more accurately, um, God wants to give you strength where you are weak. He does. He wants to give you strength. Or, or maybe even more accurately, he wants you to rely on his strength where you lack strength. Now, when you read the Bible, and this is super encouraging to me, this is one of the reasons I, there's been times that I've gotten frustrated with the Bible, like what in the world, who can do all this? But, but one of the great things about the Bible that's kept me from being done with it is that everybody in the Bible is messed up. Right, it's hard for us to admit weaknesses to ourselves, about ourselves, because we feel inferior. But if you go to the Bible and you read through the scripture, everybody in there, save one, had weaknesses. Had weaknesses, had areas where they didn't measure up. In fact, many of the people in the Bible were more messed up than you. <laughs> they were. Some of you are like, wait, oh, Andy, let me, tell you, let me tell you my story. I know your stories. And if I don't know your specific story, I know your story. Because I hate to burst a bubble, but your story is not unique. And a lot of the people in the Bible were more messed up than your story. But what makes them incredible is what God was able to do through them in their weakness. Here's an example, Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He makes this statement. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Weird, Paul. Usually we avoid weaknesses. Usually we hide our weaknesses. Usually we compensate for our weaknesses by focusing and delighting in our strengths. We certainly don't delight in those weaknesses. Paul, why? Why would you do that? Why would you delight in weakness? He says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. <laughs> you say, no, Paul, what's going on is you're delusional because you're not making any sense. When I'm weak, I'm strong. That doesn't make any sense. But what Paul was talking about was this personal weakness of his. If you back up in the passage, he's talking about the thorn in his flesh and his weakness that he can't overcome. And he's, he's asking God to deliver him. But it was in this weakness that he was able to discover the way that God's strength would work through him and the way that God carried him. And he figured out how to tap into or rely on the strength of God over his. Now, here, here's the encouraging part of this is that your weakness is an opportunity for God to shine. And for some of you, if God shines in your weakness, you would be as bright as the sun. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Your weakness is an opportunity. Your weakness is an opportunity for God to show up in your life. Your weakness is an opportunity for God to demonstrate the extent of his love for you. Your weakness is an opportunity for God to do something unexpected in you and through you. Your weakness 
is an opportunity for God to demonstrate to you who he is. So listen, your, your, your weakness in whatever area, finances, relationships, physical health, your career, your spirituality, are actually a gigantic area of potential for God in your life. Now, a verse earlier before he says that, here's what Paul tells us God said to him when he was pleading God to take away the weakness. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now here's, here's an important recognition because we don't always have an accurate grasp of what sufficient is. That is, we don't always have an accurate grasp of what is enough. And the reason we don't is because we always have other people around us and we're comparing our haves to their haves. And when we're comparing our haves to other people's haves, we lose sight of the fact that our have may be enough. And the amazing thing is this, is that in those areas where we don't have strength, in those areas where we have weakness, and we don't have the strength for sufficient, we can't do it on our own, God says, never fear, never fear. My grace is sufficient. Paul goes on, he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And Paul gives us a really important step here. If we're to experience God's power in our weaknesses, <laughs> do not try to hide it. Be open about your weaknesses. Be honest about your, admit that you have weaknesses. Now this goes against everything that we naturally feel. This goes against everything that culture teaches us to do. Heck, you're probably looking at the people around you right now and be like, oh man, I don't wanna know about your weaknesses. But Paul's saying, no, 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 listen. Hiding your weaknesses will do two things. It will do things. One, it will give those weaknesses more influence in your life because they're able to operate in the background without detection. The second thing that'll happen if you hide your weakness is that it will cut you off from God being able to do something through you with those weaknesses. Not admitting your weakness is the equivalent of God <laughs> trying to approach you and say, I wanna do something through you. And you sh given a stiff arm right to the face, like Heisman style. Just bam, nope, don't need you. I don't have any weakness, what weakness? Now, as a pastor, I hear a phrase quite a bit, different versions of it, but the same idea, um, that reveals the way most of us look at weaknesses. And the phrase, it, it goes something like this. When somebody comes to me and they're wanting to talk about something, they'll say something effective like, oh, I know as a Christian, I shouldn't be struggling with this, but, and then they'll start to go into the thing that they're struggling with. And it reveals this idea, and most of us probably have struggled with this at one point or another, but it reveals this idea that as Christians, all of our weaknesses should disappear. That somehow magically deciding we're gonna follow Christ fixes our weaknesses. That saying we believe in something, you know, they're gone, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna be good now. But listen, God isn't, God isn't only fully aware of our weaknesses, but he is honored when we recognize our weaknesses and bring them to him. 
as opposed to what's our natural tendency to hide those things. Because listen, it takes a strong person to admit they're weak. And most of us aren't good at it. Then then Paul gets back to the verse that we started with. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And some of you are like, oh, you mean Tuesdays? Because I experience all of those things on a regular basis, right? And to some degree or another, most of us do experience these things fairly regularly. And if we experience these things on a regular basis, we need God's strength to get through these things on a regular basis, right? There, There are not many guarantees I can make to you in life. In fact, probably... Only two of them are death and taxes, right? <laughs> Those are two guarantees. All the rest, none of it guarantees. But, but there is one more that I can guarantee. This idea of going to God daily and asking for his strength, if you seek God daily, asking for strength, you will be amazed at where you are one year from now. I guarantee it. Now, I can make that guarantee because most of us, myself included, aren't going to do that every day. But if you did, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. I can also guarantee that what you look like at the end of that year is not going to be anything like what you imagine in your head right now. But listen, when it comes to your weakness... God is not disappointed in you. God is not ashamed of you. God is not judging you. Because God sees weakness in your life as an area in which he can demonstrate himself. God wants to help. So how does that work? Admit your weaknesses. Ask for help daily. Do what you can. Rely on God for the rest because your weakness is an extraordinary opportunity. Now, this raises a lot of questions, which we're going to answer some of them throughout the next couple of weeks. But here's, here's how you can get started. When it comes to this idea of going through process and working on better, not best, and overcoming your weaknesses, by doing small things consistently. Don't do it alone. Don't be a loner. Loner, you you try and hide things when you do things alone. You need to surround yourself with people who are gonna encourage you and support you. We're gonna be starting up small groups in just a little while. It's a great place to meet people that will be that person in your life. The, the second thing you can do is begin with this prayer. And this is a really complicated prayer. So you all may want to take pictures of the screen so you could possibly remend this. You ready for this complicated prayer? Lord, I need you. Give me your strength for today. Just pray that on a daily basis. Lord, I need you. Give me your strength for today because we all have areas of weakness. 
Our strength is not enough to cover those weaknesses. But our weaknesses are an opportunity for God's strength and through God's strength, when we are weak, we are strong. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you for the opportunity that you give us for self-reflection and for the opportunity to present ourselves to you as we are. God, it is so ingrained within us to present the best, to hide the weakness. But Lord, let us begin to understand that you delight in us bringing our weaknesses to you because it is an opportunity for you to shine. It's an opportunity for you to become real in our lives when your faithfulness meets our need. And Lord, that's something that I hope everyone in this room experiences this year. So Father, as hopefully over these next few days, hopefully we think about making ourselves better in one way or another. God, let us not focus on the ideal, on the best, But as we think of areas where we need to improve, where we can improve, Lord, show us that we can be better. And that through your strength, eventually we can get to best. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for starting out the new year with us. Look forward to next week as we continue on in our series, Better Not Best. It's a beautiful